Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. Once again, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this this most recent episode of our podcast. We are now on episode seven of our Ted Lasso season two recap series. This episode entitled Headspace. It was written by Phoebe Walsh and directed by Matt Lipsy. Okay, so I don't know if I have a lot to say about this episode, and I don't know if I don't have a lot to say about this episode. I don't know. I'm still kind of undecided about this episode. And what I mean by that is I think it was all right. I think it was all right. But I also think that this episode also felt like kind of a middle of the season kind of episode, right? I mean, now those episodes are fine. It happens. But when I look at this season as a whole, will I come back to this episode? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure it's forgettable. And I'm not sure if it's actually just really, really brilliant. I haven't decided. I'm still, I'm still trying to mull it over, which is why I've kind of hesitated releasing this episode because I've been really thinking about this one. I've actually probably thought more about this episode than any other episode this season. And I think part of the reason is this one struck a different type of chord. This is probably the most realistic episode thus far of of Ted Lasso as a whole. Now, let's talk about what I like, right? There's a lot of conflict that was introduced in this season, and that can't be understated, and we'll probably get into, into all of that. It, and then, but other elements just were kind of resolved in traditional Ted Lasso way, which in many, many cases is fine. That's fine. But when you introduce elements of realism, then it becomes a little bit murky. So, but I think it's very, very fitting because the episode is entitled Headspace. So, and, and as we go through this, this recap, We'll kind of get into basically how the title of this episode really, really works in the various arcs of this show. So, you know, screw it. Let's just get into it. Let's just get into it. We open with the Sonny and Cher song, I've Got You, Babe. Now, obviously, that song has been used in many, 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 many films. But when I hear that song, I'm instantly taken back to the early 90s Groundhog Day. Now, granted, part of the reason I may go back to that film is it's among my top five all-time favorite movies. Dare I say it's my favorite? I don't know, but it's definitely in, in my top five favorite films of all time. But, oh shit, and yeah, I mean, I've Got You Babe was even used in a Beavis and Butthead movie, right? I think it was like Beavis and Butthead do America. And hell, like Beavis and Butthead sing the song uh, alongside Cher. So again, I am not, I recognize as I say this, maybe there's elements of, of, um, I don't know, I don't know the word I want to use, but maybe, maybe I'm up in my own head, if you will. But when I, when I hear this song being used, Part of me, especially with knowing how Brendan Hunt and Jason Sudeikis, how they how they've really created this world and obviously reference other pop culture, part of me can't help but think this was an element of their their Groundhog Day, right? I mean, we introduce, we open up 
with Roy and Keeley. And we get this, this montage of, and we're kind of in the eyes of Keeley, if you will, basically from the moment her day begins to the moment that, you know, she leaves work, you know, or goes home at night, Roy's always there. So she's feeling a little bit, a little bit cramped, you know, uh, Roy's getting all up in his, all up in her business. Now she loves Roy. She loves living with him. She loves working with him, but she's feeling a little bit congested. And over the episode, she's kind of dealing with this, this struggle of avoidance versus confronting, confronting Roy and letting her know basically that, you know, she needs a little bit of space. Now, when it does come out that everybody in the office knows that, that Keeley has these feelings, Roy himself, you know, he, he feels a certain way. He, he, he feels, you know, a little, a little embarrassed. Right. And if not for the, the sage wisdom of, of Jamie Tart, who knows what would have happened. This was one of those rare circumstances where Jamie Tart actually educates somebody. And it's not just with an athletic, athletic ability, although it does mirror, it does mirror that, right? But thanks to Jamie Tart, Roy does essentially see how he's been cramping Keely and he needs to give her a little bit of space. So the end of the episode, he essentially gifts Keely with a with a fancy warm tub and the promise of of space that he's not going to cramp on her all the time. And there you go. Happy ending. Perfect. Right. But, and so that's all well and good right now. <laughs> going back to Groundhog Day, right. This essentially is a film about, about the one person's uh, quest. And really it was an unintentional quest, but uh, a quest nonetheless to become a better version of themselves, right? We, we see Bill Murray live the same day over and over for seemingly hundreds, if not thousands of years, right? And it's not until he finally becomes more actualized and he is truly a better version of himself and he's not just trying to do things for himself that he's able to advance beyond that same day. Within Ted Lasso, we see we see an element that in very, very like a small little vignette form, right? But as much as I enjoy this Roy Keeley plotline, it, it was it was pretty it was pretty safe, right? I mean, at no time do you really think that Roy and Keeley are are on their on their end, right? Because it didn't it didn't really lend that to itself. Now, I may be talking myself around in circles because like I said, it's taken me several days to really kind of process this episode and figure out what I think. So I'm going to be kind of uh, clang associating some of these, some of these plots, but I think there is something there. And maybe if you're listening, maybe you will be able to articulate better than, than I am, but let's still keep that whole idea of being self-actualized and truly trying to find a better version of oneself. Now it feels like Roy and Keeley's story. Perfect. Happy little ending. Nice little vignette. Minor conflict, right? Now we've got the second, we'll call it our B plot, right? Now this one essentially is between Ted and Dr. Sharon. They finally have their sit down. 
And of course, of course, it doesn't go perfectly well because we know this because we we found out earlier that Ted and his ex-wife, they went to couples therapy and the end result is Ted working over in England while his ex-wife and his kid are back in the States. Right. So and he felt like he he was ganged up on essentially. So he doesn't respond to it very well. In fact, and this might be the first time in the history of Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso actually swears. Like, I don't recall any other time that I, that at least not in memory, where I heard Ted Lasso use an ounce of profanity. You know, he, he, he always talks kind of like your, like your old grandfather. That would be like that gummit, you know, something like that. Right. But, but in this episode, he literally calls Doc's profession bullshit. I think he says it twice, right? And that was very, very shocking. It took certainly took me out of, of the episode because it was like, oh, shit. And now, I, I mean, granted, me swearing is a big deal. But I was like, oh, shit. This is a different side of Ted than I have seen thus far. We've already experienced him with panic attacks. So we know that he has that within him. But to and how even when he found out that Rebecca was essentially trying to sabotage him and the club behind his back he was seemingly okay with that he he forgived her rather quickly but in this moment he you know goes to fisticuffs with with Doc Sharon and calls her profession you know bullshit and storms out of the office now Ted Lasso being Ted Lasso that's not how it's going to end so he visited her again for a second time visited her well actually it was i think it was the second time that that he that he said it was bullshit the first time i think he was just in there and it was all awkward he was being ted lasso and he's like nope i'm gonna leave second time he confronts her third time she confronts him and says that what he said the other day offended her right now this moment this scene here i really did enjoy because up until this point and no disrespect to the actress that plays doc sharon but you know, the doctor had been a little more than a robot, right? You know, we know that she'd been helping people behind the scenes, but we hadn't really seen that. And our interactions didn't really show much humanity in her, right? She, she was different. Again, that, uh, that the yin and yang, right? If, if Ted is all positive and yipti duda, right? The, the yang is going to be not super super talkative and not super chatty and not super chipper. So that's what, you know, the doc is going to represent. But from a character aspect, I hadn't really been truly interested in her story at all. But seeing that moment and her go toe to toe, and you know, it was inevitable. I think I said on the first episode of the season that they were going to have a moment, right? And we, we've begun to see that finally just over halfway through the season. So I am intrigued to find out where this relationship between the two of them go. I mean, I've really enjoyed seeing humanity in her and I I am, I mean, I'm intrigued to know where this relationship goes, but when she essentially calls out Ted for, for what he said offended her and she brings it back, you know, that he's a coach and would he do it for free? Absolutely. But it's his job and it's what he gets paid to do. She does enjoy helping people. And she's really good at helping people. The fact that she earns a salary doesn't negate any of that, right? So that was that was really that was a, that was a meaningful moment that I really enjoyed. Now I don't think that 
all is perfect. I think we very well may see some more between the two of them, maybe some more conflicts, maybe a bridge, or maybe we'll see the other side. Maybe this is that episode, that catalyst that allows us to be more introduced to Doc Sharon. I don't know. I don't know. But I did, I did enjoy that. But again, going back to that connection with Groundhog Day, where we we saw the same, basically the same scene repeat itself three times, right? We we saw them in the first office, the second office, the third office, uh, the third, the first session, the second session, and the third session, where barriers were finally broken, right? So you've got that again, a little bit of a connection to Groundhog Day. We we see repetition, but improvement over time. So we had that. Our third plot, which again we'll call C plot, we're going back to Nate. And I, I think I referenced it last episode or the uh, episode before. I apologize. These have tenden, uh, have a tendency to kind of, uh, I don't know, cause my brain to spin. But we've seen, we we, we finally seen it, right? I, I think I said, what goes up must come down. And Nate's recent confidence has taken a little bit of a turn for the worse, right? His, his recent power has gone to his hand has gone to his head. He's spending a little bit more uh, time looking at his mentions on Twitter than them really focusing on on relationships, right? We we see it with in this episode, we see it a moment with Will and we see it a moment with Colin. And I think we'll get into that. But his obsession now with himself is is pretty wild. And the fact that probably one of the the most meaningful lines of dialogue in this episode some very, very insightful wisdom, oddly enough, comes from his father, who has very much been painted as a, a villain, certainly in, in Nathan's life, right? But at a scene during breakfast, when Nate sees his picture on the back pages of, of the paper, and he calls, and he kind of, he, he, he playfully references it and everything. But his father says, they say humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Which, on the surface, without the whole episode, you'd be like, man, Nate's dad is a dick. But as that plays out, again, he's all up in his own business, right? He's all up in his own head. So what what basically happens, right? Well, let's start off with Colin. Everybody is razzing on Nate, as people tend to do. Colin takes a turn. Nate takes a little bit of offense to him. And then... And then he basically just brutally, brutally breaks down Colin in his office. Now, Coach Beard observes it. And then in the later scene, he, he calls out Nate that he needs to do better. This is not how things are done. And then a few moments later, a few scenes later, Nate addresses Colin in front of the whole squad. He asks for, you know, he apologizes. And Colin, of course, forgives him. He's, he's Welsh. And that's, you know, they're, 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 they're jovial people, I tell you. The squad then uh, all accept him, and then they basically gift him a an AFC Richmond kit with Wonder Kid and the number one on the back. Now, initially, Nate loves this, and he thinks it's great. You know, the the squad have embraced him, but then we find out that it was Will, and that in that initial moment, I'm like, oh, that's awesome because Nate has been nothing but a dick to poor Will, just nothing but a dick to him. But like our final moment or a final scene within this episode, 
again, we've got Nate all back up in his business and he's reading his own, you know, his own mentions on Twitter and the, he, he hears a will kind of whistling in the, in the, uh, the dressing room, he grabs a kit and basically, I mean, it's all off camera, but you get the idea that he just like shoves it in his face and tells him not to embarrass him all again. So not ideal. Again, what goes up must come down. And now we've got Nate in his down phase. But so if we use that, that kind of that whole groundhog story, we, we have Nate essentially just doomed to continue to repeat the same behavior until he himself finds that better version of himself that he can advance. Does what I say make sense? I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, hopefully, hopefully if you've seen Groundhog Day, maybe this is resonating and you're like, okay, I think I see where he's going, but I don't know. Of course, of course, of course, there is still the, the carryover uh, plot line from the previous episode when we find out that Sam, Sam was a dude, right? Well, within this episode, it's, I don't really consider it a major plot line because you have one little scene and then they, they interact briefly. but. So that wasn't really one of the driving forces of, of this particular plot. This was just kind of a carryover from the, from the previous episode, and then will inevitably lead into next week's episode. And by next week, I mean episode eight, which is already out. Haven't seen it, but I can only assume if we didn't get anything this week, we'll probably, we'll probably have the moment where they find out who each other are. And if it's not next week, it's certainly going to be by episode 10. But I am I'm, I'm under the impression probably sooner than later they'll make that make that connection because they didn't touch on it at all this week. So it stands to reason that next week's episode, rather uh, episode eight, I haven't. I think uh, I was talking to my buddy John. You know John, he's on here a lot, and I think he said that one is about the FA Cup soup, uh, semifinal against Manchester City. So the, I can't imagine they're doing an entire episode in real time about them playing soccer. So there'll be, there'll definitely be other things. So look for that. I can only assume, but within this carryover, what is going on this week is Sam is essentially being ghosted by Rebecca, but we find out that Rebecca is kind of torn in between whether or not to meet him, whether or not to meet him. She can't figure out what to say. Um, but meanwhile, they do run into each other in, in the hallway and have a, have a pleasant little cute conversation. So Obviously, obviously, they are they are uh, trying to show that maybe there is some type of connection and chemistry between the two of them. So anyway, that's your episode. I think I narrowed it down. I may have left I left out a couple little things, but that's episode seven in a nutshell. Overall, did it work? Mm, I'm going to say yes and no. Right. Because again, we know that often Ted Lasso resolutions, they're, they're, they're almost always pretty simple to resolve and everything is generally contained within each episode. Now episode, or rather now season two, we've seen this world expand, right? And we've seen the conflicts continue to grow and the world is a lot more expansive. Do I like that? Sure, yeah. But maybe sometimes, you know, because I'm still not entirely sure if I'm prepared for a more realistic Ted Lasso experience. I don't know. Because I mean, this show is when, when, when it was introduced to us, I mean, it came at a time during the pandemic, right? And optimism and positivity, this was like the antidote to everything else that was going on in the world, right? 
And the show is also kind of like a never ending story of the underdog. This week's episode, I mean, this season has introduced that, obviously. I mean, shit, last season's finale. I mean, it was called what the it's the hope that kills you. Right. So not everything has always been hunky dory. But 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 we're seeing a little bit more a little bit more gloom within that. And so do I like that? I I mean, it allows the show to be more, more realized, of course, but I, I don't know how I feel about that. So I'm just going to say undecided, undecided. So I'm going to, I'm going to rate this episode. I think in my notes, I rated like C to C plus, but I'm going to give this episode a C plus to B minus because they did, they did raise the stakes in a realistic aspect. And I think, I think that's good. I think that's good. That is episode seven. There are things I liked and there are things I didn't like, right? But one thing that I cannot debate is I'd learned a few things this episode. So what did we learn? Well, according to Ted, the jerky boys were a national treasure. I learned that Sam's favorite film is Ratatouille, which Keely says isn't a bad thing because she says it's a fucking masterpiece. Now, what I will say, I'm going to go on a little side tangent. I think Ratatouille is extremely underrated from the, in, within the, the Pixar canon. I think it's a really good film. I don't know if I would go on to say it's a masterpiece, but if you look at all the Pixar films, I don't think Ratatouille gets nearly enough play. It's a lot better. It's a lot better than I think many people give it credit. So anyway, that's Sam's favorite film. Roy is reading The Da Vinci Code and is totally mesmerized. Um, yeah, so that's what I learned. I think the highlight moment of the week was when Coach Beard confronted Nate about how he was being a dick. And then Coach Beard kicks Nate out of his office. And then Nate realizes that it was his office. He turns, goes back, and somehow, somehow Coach Beard dis- uh, uh, had a disappearing act. So Coach Beard's disappearing act, I think, was my highlight moment of the week. We always knew that Coach Beard was amazing, but now we're finding out that he's a wizard too. Love that. Uh, quote of the week. I, I referenced Nathan's father's quote, and that was really solid. But Ted Lasso had his, he had a little moment himself, and he said, living in the moment is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Very, very classic Ted Lasso line. I think my, just my out and out LOL moment was when uh, John Mass uh, said to, Jamie Tart, okay, Englishman. Now, to many of the audience members, this joke may have went completely over, over your head. But for the, the, the diehard football fans out there, I think many of us could have found that moment extremely hysterical, right? Because in this scene, Jan Mass mispronounces Johan Cruyff's name, right? And Johan Cruyff is probably the, the greatest Dutch player of all time. Arguably, He's the greatest player to ever play the game of all time. I mean, it's debatable. Other people will say Pele. Some people will say Maradona. Some people will say Messi, yada, yada, yada. But Johan Cruyff definitely is in the discussion as well. He was a absolute legend for, uh, for Barcelona and the Dutch national side. But uh, why this is funny is Jan Mas, like I said, mispronou- uh, mispronounces Johan Cruyff's name. And then Jamie Tart corrects him. And then Johan Cruyff says, okay, Englishman, which again, it was just a out and out LOL moment. And if you are a diehard soccer fan, you probably caught that and laughed too. 
but I think many, many people that aren't familiar, just kind of like, all right, whatever. Uh, Jamie Tart's an idiot, but it was actually the Dutch guy that was wrong. So that was funny. At least to my knowledge, who knows, maybe in the Netherlands, they do call him Cruyff. I don't know. I don't know. But so you had that, that was a, that was a moment. Pop culture reference. There weren't a ton. Uh, there was obviously a reference to fatal attraction. There was a reference to Don Draper of Mad Men. So that was good. Uh, there, you know, and I also introduced that segment with uh, the profanity score. I think I've been calling it what's the fucking score. So there were, I believe, 11 fucks in this episode. So more than last week, but there are only three shits. So fuck wins again. They have a perfect record so far. So they win 11 to three. And there you have it. Predictions. I mentioned Rebecca and Sam already. Uh, another prediction. Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, Ted Lasso lied to Trent Krim of The Independent. I don't know if you caught that. Trent saw him in the, in the pub. He asked for a quote. And we know, and, and basically the, the quote, um, he wanted to find out why Ted Lasso had left early in the, in the Spurs match. And Ted Lasso said he had food poisoning. And then he said it again. He confirmed it. And Trent wrote it down. And then they, they left. But it was just kind of an odd, odd moment to have in there but also just something else we haven't ever seen. We haven't ever seen Ted Lasso lie to anybody. Now, of course, what is he going to say? I had a panic attack uh, due to the fact that uh, my life, you know, my, my, my family's overseas. I'm here. I'm under stress and I'm dealing with all of that. I don't know. I don't even know if I have a prediction on that, but I, I'll just say it's something I didn't like because it does open up more room for shit to go wrong for Ted Lasso this season. So that is something I at least want to bring to our attention. And then quite obviously, oh, another prediction. We're going to see more of um, Dr. Sharon and Ted. Now that like Ted's opened up to her, I think we're going to see a little bit more of that relationship. And then obviously needs a uh, attitude adjustment. You know, is he going to get himself into more trouble? Because it seems inevitable. And I mean, we're definitely on a collision course between he and Will. There, there, there's going to be, I mean, what we just saw, granted off screen, was horrible, right? But we're definitely going to get something else. So I, I, I see that coming. Uh, prediction, let's see. All right, so prediction. Okay, next week's episode is going to be that FA Cup semifinal. They're going to play Manchester City. Ooh, Jamie Tart's old club. So maybe there will be something awkward with Jamie and Man City, uh, what could that be? Could Jamie score a goal against his old? Well, that would be no. That I mean, he could, but they won't build that moment up because you know he he screwed over Man City. It's not like he was spurned in some capacity. So they wouldn't bring. I, I mean, this is the second time this season they've referenced Manchester City. So it has something to do with Jamie Tart. Do we get? Oh, do we get more of Jamie's? Oh, this is okay. All right. I figured it out. I've just kind of like uh, churn, uh, churned uh, these, these motors spinning in my head. Okay. So obviously this is going to mirror what is going on with Ted Lasso. It has to, it has to, because Ted has issues, obviously um, being away from his father, being an absent father, right? The loss of his father. We know all these things are important to him. Jamie Tart basically sabotage his own career because of his father. 
So we're going to get we're going to get more of Jamie Tart's father. That's what we're I'm calling it. We're getting Jamie Tart and his father. Do we have a showdown? Do 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 somehow AFC Richmond beat Manchester City? I mean, I mean they beat Spurs. No disrespect to John, but I mean Spurs versus Manchester City. I mean it's kind of a no-brainer. Manchester City have more talent, but I can't imagine. I can't imagine. AFC Richmond somehow bettering Manchester City. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. I don't, I'm 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 dragging this on, but I'm calling it my 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 prediction is we're going to have we're going to have the return of Jamie Tart's father, and and that is somehow going to parallel with Ted Lasso and Doctor Sharon. That's what I'm saying, and I think. I think that's it. I think that's it. I think I've said my piece. I'm going to, I'm going to hang up. I'm going to, I'm going to hang up. Um, we're phone calls now. I, I, I dropped the, I dropped the tuning in, but now I said, hang up. Right. So I'm still very much a, a 20th century kind of guy. Anyway, I'm going to call it a day. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this very unscripted <laughs> uh, episode recap. I do thank you for, for listening to these. If you do have any questions, if you do have any comments, please hit me up. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all with the Stamper Cinema um, handle. And hell, if you want to email me, you can reach me at stampercinemapodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. But what I would love even more, leave me a review. People, leave me some reviews. Leave me some ratings. Hit up the, I know you're listening to podcasts. I look at these metrics. 55% of you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. So you've got the means to hit the five-star button. You've got the means to hit the little comment thing and say, Stanford Cinema is awesome. I love Andrew. The host is great. Or that guy, Andrew, he's okay. But that guy, John, is incredible. Can we get more of him? or more celebrity interviews. I don't care, whatever it is. Leave me some feedback. If you're listening to this, I would love feedback. Feedback is is huge. So that being said, the fact that you're even listening, I'm extremely, extremely, extremely appreciative. Keep doing that. I love you guys. I will see you next time. This is Andrew signing off on Stamper Cinema. Have a great week. And I'll be back for episode eight before you know it. Bye, everybody. <laughs>